I feel somewhat uh, rusty this morning. Being out of the pulpit for a few weeks is, uh, you know, with all the festivities and things going and weddings and praise God, that's all behind me. And, uh, but I do want you to do something, if you would, please. I have been with a young couple that I just married, got a phone call yesterday. Um, it was really sweet uh, three weeks ago. I married this young couple. I think some of you have met them, and I know they're going to be coming here and making this their church, Ashley and Justin. And, uh, but this morning at 7 a.m., uh, Justin's mother went home to be with the Lord. She was a believer, and I had the opportunity of being with the family yesterday. They called, and I was able to run over and spend some time with the family and comfort them during such a difficult time. And we don't realize that... You know, for many of us, we can say that our Christian life, you know, it's all about the spiritual realm. We're only here today and we're gone tomorrow. So everything that we do, anything that really matters is all about the kingdom of heaven. And so I know that even though it's a, it's a uh, bittersweet experience, we need to realize that when you are a child of God, her life just began. What a sweet reunion it must have been for her this morning as she was reunited with her family and her loved ones that have gone on before before her and what's difficult i think for many of us is to have to say goodbye to the ones we love i know it was difficult for me i mean even those that have passed in the church it's been difficult for me you know you get used to people sitting in a certain seat spot and it, it gets difficult. And so today, if you would, please remember this dear family in prayer as they face the loss of such a young lady. I think she was 53, 55, something like that. Very, very young to, to have to say goodbye. Justin got married, and it was real sweet as they brought her down. You know, she, she hung on. They didn't think she'd make it a year ago. Isn't that amazing? She lasted one full year. She waited till her son got married. Isn't it amazing what determination will do? The power of our mind, the power of our soul, our faith in God, all that determination gave her life. And so they left when they got back. Hospice had already been at the house. And so, uh, sweet lady, I have to say, I've cried in a lot of uh, wedding ceremonies, but that was one where I stood in the back hallway and, and cried and wept over this family just because I know that uh, how difficult it must be for her to watch her son get married. And uh, Justin has a special place in his mom's heart, as most sons do to both father and mother. The Abundant Life, if you would please, turn in your Bible to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The latter part of that, it says this. Here's what Christ said. I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. How many of you love that verse? Praise the Lord. I love that verse. I think we can easily find Christians who don't seem to be different from the rest of the world. And I'm sure that it would be very difficult for many of you to pick out Christians at a party, in the workplace, maybe even at a ball game. Sometimes it's different because I believe that the world views Christianity with such skepticism. They ask, what difference does being a Christian make? You see, we have the 
the churchy words. We know the religious cliches. But do we demonstrate the difference? We have all of this and yet the world doesn't believe that we live with abundance. You meet most people, they're negative. They're discouraged. There's nothing happy about their life. They stand around and they frown. And they dare you to say something to them. Because they're going to let you have it. And all of a sudden, you see them worshiping in the front row. And yet, we ask ourselves the question, why don't people want to come to church anymore? Wow, the Muslims, their children get out of school so that they can go up to the temple here on Steele's Corners Road and bow down to Allah during their time of prayer. But we can't make Christ a part of our life, and yet we're a Christian. And for us to smile, it might crack our exterior. It's true. I really do believe that many people fail because there's no excitement about your life. We say God is good all the time. No, all the time. Oh, God is good. You have to have some excitement. You know, journeying on this path of life and, and experiencing spiritual warfare and experiencing discouragement and dis- experiencing illness addictions, depression that comes on people's lives. Listen, Satan has a stronghold and he doesn't want to let go. Listen, Christian, we need to let people know there's abundance because we have it through Jesus Christ. Our God's not dead. He's truly alive. The newsboys did a great job coming out with that song. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We know He's coming back. Do you believe it? So we have to demonstrate that we have Christ. And that He came and He died for all of us. The easy way to approach this lesson is to describe what makes up the abundant life. If someone is living an abundant life, what does it look like? And how does it look different than other people. I can't answer these questions unless I have a clear understanding of what the word truly means. So, in my theological, deep, doctoral mind, okay, that's not true. I don't have a doctorate. I don't even have a master's. Here's what it says. Christ uses the Greek word, parisos. In the context, it means, what do you think for abundance? It means quantity, Quality, exceedingly, very high, advantage, beyond measure. Isn't it awesome to think that God wants to give you something beyond measure? God wants to bless your life beyond measure? I mean, that excites me. The last thing I want people to say is, I don't want anything that guy has because he is miserable. And yet, we don't practice our Christian liberties. Listen, when we go back to Peter, and it says that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour, can we wake up today and say he's ready to discourage us as soon as we walk out these doors today? God 
wants you to know, wait a minute, there's victory in Jesus. There's victory in and through my son who came and died for your sins. Love it, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 20 says, listen to this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. You see, a clue to our understanding of this word is to think about whom Paul is speaking about. He was talking about God. He wants to give us more than we could think about, that we could fathom in our mind. God wants to bless us. Are you serious, Pastor? Well, I haven't seen it yet. Well, it's because you don't believe it. We need to know that God wants to bless you abundantly. One thing I love about our Christian life is that, listen, if the Word says this, and Paul was speaking to the church at Ephesus, that it says here, now he is able, he's willing to go beyond all that we think or we ask for. Do you believe that? Say amen with me. God wants to bless your life. I'm getting you back on that train track again. Maybe you've derailed. Maybe you've kind of lost a little perspective. Maybe your engine's just going, I think I can. I think I can. Well, guess what? Today, you can. Because you can do all things through Christ that gives you the strength. Hey, we're all just sinners saved by grace. And aren't you thankful for that? You see, being saved is great and it is vital. But it's not the end. It's the beginning. There's so much more that will fulfill us, complete us, satisfy us, and make us joyful. So if Christ promised abundancy, why do we go through life as Christians and appear not much different than our non-Christian friends? We sing the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, where is it? Gotcha. Where is the joy in your heart? Well, let people know. Listen, last week, was, there, was the Spirit of God here last week? Well, He's here today. And more than just music, more than a concert, the Word of God is what really starts to saturate your soul. That's where the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, and that's what we need. Well, when we sing... You know, yeah, Satan comes in. He wants to discourage me. He wants to discourage Luke. So we can hear through the sound system. Well, guess what, Satan? We're not going to stop singing. We're going to continue to sing. And so I had to prove to Satan today that if all these TV screens go down and listen to me closely, we'll sing hallelujah. We'll sing because he lives. We'll sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, because I have the joy in my heart. And so I know that as we look into the abundant life, that was close, as I almost tripped up here, as we look into the abundant life, I want you to know that God is more than willing to bless you abundantly, to give you more than you could ever think or dream of. As I go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to give you five points this morning. Five key points that I hope that you allow to saturate your soul and that it will go through your mind and you'll say, you know what, here's some good points that I can live my life by. 
Because these are some points that I have patterned my life after, number one being Jesus Christ, but yet we can take these principles and try them out in our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we pray that you will bless your word, saturate your word with your spirit. Speak through me today. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, let us get excited about the abundant life. Lord, this isn't about just a prosperity gospel message. It's about your word and how we can take your word and live a life of victory. Thank you for your word. Speak to us today. Teach us, mold us, remake us to be like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Luke, can you please turn on this fan? Key number one, key point to number one is this, to living an abundant life, being yielded. To what are we yielded? Well, we can find the answer. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. Romans chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. All right, if we're all there. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto who? Unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness or as weapons of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but you are under... Aren't you? Thankful that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he said, for by grace you are through faith. It's not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. Now, there's a lot of complicated stuff here in these five verses. But what we must see in there is that as Christians, we have a choice about how we live. And if we look closely at this passage, we see that we have a choice to make. The choice is this, whether or not we're going to yield to God or whether or not we're going to yield to the world. If we yield to God, we will enjoy an abundant life. If we yield to sin, we will have to endure a defeated life. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we yield to God, we enjoy a what? Abundant life. If we yield to sin, we'll have to endure a defeated life. But what does yielding our lives mean here in this text? It means we must give our whole selves to God by our what? Our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, and our strength. And that's our will. The following quote, I don't know where I came across it, but it's helpful in considering yielding ourselves totally to God. Listen, God would have you know the power of a yielded life. It will lift you above circumstances that circumvent abundant living. The abundant life begins 
when you yield to him as master, allowing him to live his life through you by faith. This may all sound more difficult than we can achieve, and in fact, it is. We cannot live a life like this alone. We need Jesus Christ, and we need people in our lives in order to live this way. We need Christ because of his strength and his ability to live through us. And I have to say, when I think of a yielded life, I first of all have to think of Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate example of a yielded life. And you say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? First of all, he yielded to the Father's plan to leave his throne in heaven and take human form to endure the life of man. He subjected himself to the tyranny of man and was even obedient to the point of crucifixion on the cross. He allowed himself to be separated from the Father in order to provide an eternal relationship with the Father for who? For all of us. And that's a yielded and completely yielded life. We also need accountability. We also need fellowship for a healthy christian's existence we cannot neglect the gathering of ourselves together for what for worship for fellowship or for friendship and to hold each other accountable to be obedient to god's will and word and this is really yielded living among our brethren so it goes to the second key to live an abundant life here's the second point it is a life of service with christ as our model and our example. I can't say that we will ever be called to be martyred for our faith in Christ, but there are many more ways to serve an abundant life. So what are some of the ways? So we look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and you can turn there because we'll highlight a couple things in there. One of the greatest verses, I think, that is written in the New Testament that can minister to all of us. It says, We beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, what that is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's look closely. The verse asks, first of all, that we present which in choosing on our part to surrender to God and to his perfect will. Even though we may not always understand or see God's will, we submit it anyway because we cannot live an abundant life outside of God's will. When was the last time you said, Father, here am I, use me. Here am I, send me. You know the old phrase, be careful what you say, God will make it happen. I remember back when I was nine years of age, accepted Jesus Christ, 13 baptized, 15, I surrendered to preach the gospel. I said, here I am, God, use me. Whatever you want me to do, I surrender. Has God been working with you? Has, has he been dealing with your heart? Has the Holy Spirit really been reaching down deep in and saying, listen, you need to let go. You need to allow me. You, you need to present your body, your life. And yet you've been holding on to something and saying, God, I can't because I'm a little bit afraid of what you'll have me do. Many of us are like this. 
like that. We continue reading. It says there, present your bodies. We must and you must allow God to control all of us, not just part of us, the whole of us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it teaches us that our whole self is to be dedicated to a life of service to God. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, separate you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Completing the thought, here's what else he says. Present your bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice. See, the abundant life is one that is given completely to God at the expense of our own desires. Let me sidetrack here just for a moment. I want to share this with you. I'm continually frustrated by Christians who say that I'm going church hunting. And I'm just going to bebop from place to place because I'm looking for something. They say a church they visited didn't meet their needs. Listen, brothers and sisters, are you listening closely? The local church is not there to meet our needs. And it is one of the greatest mistakes or assumptions by the body today. The local assembly exists as a place for us to serve and not be served. Jesus Christ even said it best. I came to serve and not be... What has happened? What has happened to America? A friend of mine walked through here the other day, pastor friend. You need to change this sanctuary. I said, we do? He goes, yeah, need to darken the windows, paint it black, get some crazy fun lights up here, get the band going. You know, there's a church in Pennsylvania. They pay big bucks for their praise and worship leader because it's no longer about the Word of God. It's all about the music. Isn't that sad? It's not about a separated, sanctified, pure life. It's all about the entertainment that we get. I, it really grieves my spirit. And as I get older, I'm starting to see. Do I want to see a band here? Praise God. I want to see you guys use your talents. Rodney, you, you work that guitar, brother. You play that trumpet. I mean, you guys get, I mean, I love it. But listen, the music sets the tone for the word of God. And when we speak the word of God, I'm going to tell you, there may be a day we won't have this any longer in the church. Because we have all of the other things. I was thinking as I was in my office last night, and you know how you Google and you get all these different words and all kinds of stuff, and as you're studying, I thought to myself, what would happen if you didn't have the computer any longer? You couldn't type up your message. I don't have to go by my brain up here. We all would. But why have we forgotten that we've put all these other things, we don't present our life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, we are so concerned about living abundant life, but we won't surrender and give God our, our all. Listen, if we gave God our all, it would change us for eternity. You could change the kingdom for eternity. I love this illustration. Think about it this way. A sponge is a useful tool. Its primary function is to absorb. But how do we get anything out of the sponge in order for it to be used again? We must squeeze the sponge 
They're ones if we attend the local church in order to absorb only in order to have our needs met, we are in a very, very dangerous place and in dangerous territory. For you see, God, who sees all, knows that when he wants something from you that he'll have to squeeze you to get it. If you want to be squeezed by God, listen, don't be a sponge in your local assembly. Don't be a sponge here at New Hope. Be a servant, and then God will meet your needs. God has put me in some, so many situations. I have to tell you, just yesterday, tearing apart a bathroom, Rodney's in there like Hercules, ripping apart that shower. I got a phone call to go be with this family that was passing. I had two choices. Do I hurry and try to get done what we need to get done and say, eh, it's okay. He'll be there when I get there. No, I jumped in my closet, threw clothes on, went to be by the bedside with the family. And I have to tell you that when I'm amongst people, I'm blessed because I'm serving That's part of our Christian life, just to be there, to offer comfort, to offer just the presence of the Lord, usher his spirit in there so that all of us can say, you know what? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Most of us can't be a holy and living sacrifice. So we continue. An abundant life is one transformed to godliness and conformed to God's will. We are truly happy when our personal desires are put away and we desire what God wants for us. For we cannot match the gifts and joy and abundancy that he has planned for us when we serve him and others in his name. So the next point on my list is this. To understand that an abundant life is one that is separated. Many of you could say that sounds weird, Pastor. But God wants us to be separated. He wants us, he said, listen, I know you have to live in the world, but try not to be like the world. Try not to be of the world. And many of us, we can't seem to separate that. Even Romans 1.1 talks about being set apart for his purpose, not for ours. And the purpose for every one of us And if I ask you a question, many of you would probably say, I don't know what the purpose is. Do you know what our purpose is to do? To spread the gospel of Christ. To spread it around the world. But you see, we throw that phrase around a lot to people. Oh, I'm spreading the gospel. The old phrase in the 80s and 90s was, I'm going soul winning. You didn't win a soul. God's the one that wins the soul. We spread the seed. That's our responsibility. So we ask the question, so what does he mean when he says... The gospel of Christ. This is just more than just an account of Christ's life. The gospel is the unfolding of the will of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that what Jesus Christ, he came, he died, and he rose again. And we have life in and through him because of the crucifixion. It is the full truth and understanding that Christ is the second person of the triune God. Who was, who is, and who will ever be. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. What a sweet sound to hear a baby. Isn't that precious? That's all right. It was 13 years ago I heard that. Praise the Lord, it was 13 years ago. 
but I sure love to hear the sound of, a, uh, of an infant. That's just precious. We're to be set apart. Here's what it means in part, that we must comprehend what the Word of God contains. We must understand the ministry of Christ on earth and the condition of man. We must be set apart. And how can we be? We need to be sanctified. We need to be set apart. Here's what the writer once, once said. The abundant life is made possible by the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and made a reality by being separated from sin and the world and sanctified to Him. Why is it that many times we barricade ourselves? We don't want anybody to know we're a Christian. Because you know what's going to happen? They're going to have expectations of us. And we don't want anybody to have expectations of us. We, because let me tell you, it happens. Try this. Reverend before your name. Or pastor before your name. Oh, how about this? Deacon or trustee or treasurer. Now all of a sudden, you're in a whole different ball field. Because people have expectations. And here's what ends up happening. We barricade ourselves. We protect ourselves so we don't get hurt. Well, I do know this, that we'll all be crucified for the cause of Christ. He says, take up my cross. And what did he say? Follow me. He wants all of us to follow him. Yeah, I, I know that most of us can say this. And when I always think of the word immerse, I think of going down in, taking a plunge. How many of you just say, I just want to bask in the presence of Almighty God. I just want to feel His presence. I want to sense His presence. I want to be separated from the world. I want to live a holy, godly life so that people will see Christ in and through me. Listen, we live in a world that's sinful. But God can still give you the ability to live a holy life before Him. And then we look at the Scripture. It says, we must lead a Spirit-filled life. Say this with me. Glory! Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen! Preach it! <laughs> You know, isn't it amazing just to say those words and just to acknowledge the power of God, just to live a spirit-filled life? Where can, could you let, let's just put a put this out here? And then, as I do this, I want you to to turn to First Corinthians six nineteen. First Corinthians six nineteen. But as we live a spirit-filled life, let's think about this. To have a spirit-filled life, wouldn't it be great to just be so in tune with God that when he says, turn, you turn. When he says, go straight, you go straight. When he says, kneel, kneel. When he says, that person over there needs prayer, you walk over and you pray with that person. When he says, you know what, I want you to give this, you get in your pocket, you give it without any worry about what's going to happen next. We have that much faith and we're so spirit-filled that God starts to minister to us. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. And that's not where I'm supposed to be. That's chapter 7. I'm like, what in the world? Circumcision? Why are we talking about circumcision in this? That's scary. Can I hear an oh no out there? Okay. What? 
Let, let's just back up to verse 18. <laughs> Flee for fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. And he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm going to read another verse here. First Timothy 4.10 says this, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. First Timothy, I want to also read that. Chapter 2, verse 9. First Timothy, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I love it there. You are a peculiar people. Do you want people to say, man... That person's peculiar. That person's different. Because you have the power of God and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 says this, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject one to another in the fear of God. Of Christ. I love being filled with the Spirit. I love knowing that God speaks to me, brother, before I even get somewhere. And I'm like, why is that thought going through my mind? When we're filled with the Spirit and we let go, then we let God, and God starts to do something with His children. How many of you say, I know my child? I know how they act. I know what's going to happen. How many of you would say, I knew, my, I knew my child raising them, or if I have them now? We all are like that. Our children can say, we know our father, we know our mother. But how many of you would say this morning that God doesn't even know who you are? Or how about this? Do you know who God is? Are you filled with the Spirit? Have you spent time in prayer? Have you spent time in the Word? Have you spent time saying, God... Today, sanctify me, separate me, make me different. I live a life since I was a teenage boy. Yes, I know I've been called names and I've been ridiculed for my life. But there's been no greater joy than being able to serve a living God. And to say that I can know Jesus Christ and live a life that's full of and that I'm growing and I'm learning. To me, it's, it's one of the greatest experiences of life. Knowledge and power come from Almighty God. I, I put this in here because I, I want to read this to you. It says, I do not have the ability to describe the joy that comes when a Christian is serving in the manner and place of God's calling. The closest concept is the old philosophical idea that we are created with a God-shaped vacuum in ourselves. And the only thing that can fill the vacuum is God. You see, we try to fill God with other activities, 
with other responsibilities, with our vocation, with our sin. And folks, listen to me. We live an empty, empty life. When God is in us, we are fulfilled. And this fulfillment charges our mental, it charges our emotional conditions to being satisfied and only needing to continually seek Him for joy, and that's joy overflowing. Here's the fifth point. Then we go right into our abundant life, goes right into a mature life. We continue to grow as Christians. We continue to mature as Christians. It says in Ephesians 3.17, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted, grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You know, I've grown. This is 10 years that I've been senior pastor of New Hope. This is 24 years serving as an associate and a youth pastor. And I have to say that I have learned a lot. But I'll tell you something. One thing that I've learned more than anything To live an abundant life, you must be separated and sanctified. The hardest decisions in a mature Christian's life is to call out sin or to acknowledge it when it's present. And that's not popular today. Although the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, and and as soon as sparks start to fly, let me ask you a question. I know that most of you are perfect in your marital relationships in this room. But I know that even when sparks start flying between my wife and I, which only happens maybe twice a year, um, but when we have differences, we grow from those differences. We change from those differences. And that means what happens? No wonder Grandpa and Grandma always sit around the table because we want to glean from their wisdom because they are, we are at where they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And we want to hear all that they have to say. But that's maturity in their marital life. And the same thing is this. Listen, church, maturity doesn't just come by your age. Maturity comes from getting in the Word, applying the Word, and living out the Word of God. Allowing Him to grow you. A Christian who fosters their union and communion with God through spiritual disciplines and the exercising of their spiritual gifts in order to glorify God and edify the church. That is a mature Christian. Regardless of your age, who has the will to put away the things of this world and take on the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So I say all this. We've gone through... Five points this morning. One, we must have a yielded life. Two, we must have, in order to have an abundant life, we must have a service life, a separated life, a spirit-filled life, and a mature life. I want to have a life, you know, when I, was a, when I was a young man, 15 years of age, I can remember by the time when I was 15, and I just hungered the Word of God. I just wanted to like read it. I wanted to practice it. I wanted to live it out. I wanted to yield my life to God. That was the desire 
that I had. And at 16 and 17 and 18, even though I was hungering the Word of God, for some weird, strange reason, it got harder and harder and harder and harder. And now here I am at the ripe young age of 44, still serving the Lord and realizing I thought it was going to get easier to grow in maturity in Christ. And it's gotten harder. But that's the abundant life. Did you wake up this morning like I did at 445 and think it was 545? (laughs) I looked at my wife. I said, oh, I I need to probably get up there and get a shower. It's 7 o'clock. And she goes, no, honey, it's 6 o'clock. I said, what you talking about, Willis? And uh, she goes, "Um, fall back. Okay, so we enjoyed a little bit more time drinking and sipping coffee in the prayer room and talking about our message and just life and her class, and it was awesome. But i got to tell you this. We should get up every day of our life and say this. God, today, I'm yielding my spirit to you. God, today, I'm serving you. God, today, I don't care what takes place. I want you to fill me up. I want your spirit to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. Give me opportunities today to help me grow in you. Jesus didn't go to the cross because it was popular, because the lights were going, the music was coming up, and the volume was taking place, and people were all watching. He went to the the cross for you and for me. This morning, I'm going to ask you, Do you live a spirit-filled life? Do people know that when you're walking down the street, just whistling? Or do, just singing, just having a good time. Do people say, that's a person that has life. We woke up today, we're healthy, praise God. My kids are healthy. Yeah, Adversity comes in everybody's life. But I walked into my bathroom and as I looked at the phone, as I looked at the phone Ashley texted me, texted me and said, Denise has gone home to be with the Lord. And you know what my thought was? How sad that many of us are coming to church today to worship the Lord, to sing His praises, to go on about just our normal life. As I watched this young man, 30 years of age, yesterday, As the hospice nurse looked at him and she said, Justin, it's time for your mom to have her morphine again. It wasn't Frank. It wasn't the daughter. And I wish she was here. Because I've really come to really appreciate Justin a lot. He walked over, gave mom her morphine. She was out of it. And I remember standing there as they were all weeping and we braced each other around the bed. The thought that went through my head was, There's nothing. It's true. We come from nothing. We leave this earth empty, but our spirit is full if we live our life in Jesus Christ. I said, today's a difficult day for all of you. But I have to tell you that it's going to be a glorious day in heaven. And that's why we serve the Lord. And as you get older, the kingdom of heaven 
gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. This morning, did you ask yourself this question? Did you ask yourself, am I yielded? Do I really want to grow in Christ? Or do I just want to, I just want to be what's popular. If the church up the street is running 12,000, praise God, that's the vision God gave New Larson at one time. God really, you know, I think it even goes back before New Larson when, when the chapel, and I love what the chapel has done. I praise God for what they've done. But I think it goes back to the pastors even before them that planted seed in the lives of people. And he came, he watered and fertilized, and God gave the increase. Are we spreading the gospel of Christ? Are we letting people know there's life in Jesus Christ? They're going to come in and go, Yep, can't stand Pastor Todd. Matter of fact, they don't like anybody, so I guess I'm part of that category. People, people are all going to be like that. We've been in this ministry for 10 years. I've done some things as a pastor I will not give any excuse for, but it's difficult to run a church. But I know I was called, and I know that I live an abundant life through Jesus Christ, and when He is ready to close the door and say, okay, your ministry is over there. I, I get it. But that's maturity in Christ. Some things I believe God is allowed to happen, and I look at Him and I say, Lord, is this part of my growing up? Do I really have to deal with this? You all have been there as well. Do I really have to deal with this in the life of my kids, in the li- at work? God wants you to. Because He wants you to be free. He wants you to live a life of victory. Will you accept that today? And if you've never surrendered, listen. God wants you to surrender today. Today is your day where your abundant life starts. God starts to give the increase. He says, listen. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But that which is good and acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God to live our life in and through Him? I love you, church. And I love the people of this congregation. And more than anything, I desire to see you love God more and more every day. And when I see you start to grow maturity in Christ, there is no greater reward for a pastor than to see you grow. Thank you for your heart of service. Let us all stand as we pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we just pray that you will continue to, Lord, just reach down and minister to us. Lord, let us not be a bump on a log. Help us, Lord, to live a spirit-filled life, a yielded life, One that is sanctified, separated, and Lord, you said, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed. Lord, help our minds to be like your mind. Help us to live our life out like you want us to live our life out. God, today, you've spoke to someone's heart in this room. Lord, they've been struggling. What do they do? Where do they go? What's What what they should do in their own personal walk? Lord, help us to just surrender. Help us to bow a knee, bow a head and say, God, I just want to grow in you today. 
Lord, I want to look back over the years of my life on this earth and say, I've done what I needed to do to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, help us today to be like you. Lord, I'm excited. Lord, I'm blessed to know that I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Thank you, Father, that I have the joy of my salvation. Lord, I just pray for many today, even in this room. Father, you brought us together. And as I pondered in my office, Lord, who is this for? Maybe, God, it was just for me. Thank you, Father, for growing me, for molding me, for remaking me. Lord, I want to be more like you. Lord, help me to be more like you. Help your children to be more like you. In your name we pray. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.